You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. Great, so I want to talk today about honoring the Lord with your wealth. Honoring the Lord with your wealth. Um, I've, I, just, I read, just read this book three times. It was that good. A.W. Tozer wrote a book called The Pursuit of God. Have you ever read it? It's a good book to read. And he quotes the Westminster uh, Catechism, and he says this. He says, they say, the chief purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The chief purpose of man, the reason why we exist, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. If you want to know why you exist, if you want to know why you wake up in the morning, it's to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever forever. Come on, isn't it powerful? And so that means that everything in life is an opportunity to glorify God. Everything in life is an opportunity to enjoy Him. And I'm so sad to see how people compartmentalize their lives, how they, they've, got this, they've got this God box, they've got this Sunday box, and then the rest of their lives. Then they've got a finance box, then they've got a kid's box, then they've got a work box. Now, I've got, I'm here to say to you that God wants to be glorified in everything we do. In every part of our lives, God wants to be preeminent. He wants to be glorified and he wants you to enjoy him. Even when it comes to finances. You know that Jesus spoke much about money. You know that. 16 out of his 38 parables were concerned with money and possessions. In the gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible speaks, gives, there's 500 verses in the Bible on prayer. More than 500 verses, just over 500 verses. How many of you know prayer is important? A prayerless church is a powerless church. A prayerless married cup marriage is a powerless marriage. A prayerless mother is a powerless mother. Can I say that again? Is that right? Without prayer, we've got no power. Right? That's why I believe in prayer. I believe in praying together and I believe in praying with Jesus daily, right? But so the Bible speaks 500 times of prayer. I think prayer is powerful. Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. The Bible doesn't even, there's not even 500 verses on faith. Faith is powerful, right? But there's more than 2,000 verses in the Bible on finances. Now, if it wasn't important, God would not put 2,000 verses in the scriptures on money. It says in verse, verse, verse 9 of Proverbs 3, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Can you say honor? Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of, your, of all your increase. What the Bible says, it says that wealth is an opportunity to honor God. Wealth is an opportunity to worship God. I love the song that we sang. It's your breath in my lungs, so I pour out my praise. I pour out my praise to you. It's your breath in my lungs. So that means I cannot even praise you without you. You empower my praise. I'm here to say to you that you cannot honor God without God. Because everything you got comes from God. Everything. So it's God's provision in my hands and I pour out my praise. I pour out my praise because whatever God gives me, I can be able to honor him. I can be able to worship him. And there's a promise with that. It's amazing how people are like, I want God to provide for me. I'm here to say to you that God can provide for you if you honor him. It's not that God is like poor and he's like, maybe I should just, God's not on a budget. You know that? 
What I've learned is this, is it's like most people think, no, 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 I need to be able to do something so God, no, no, I'm here to say to you that God pours out his blessing on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is generous, but I've learned this, is that when we don't align ourselves with the blessing of God, we miss out on the provision of God. Honor is not something that you do to earn God's blessing. Honor is something that you do to increase your capacity to receive God's blessing. Most people think that I've got to do to to get. I'm here to say the reason why you apply God's word in your life is so that you can increase your capacity to receive. In Mark chapter 6, the reason why Jesus could do no great works in Mark chapter 6, he could not do great miracles. Not he would not do great miracles. He could not do great miracles. Why? Because of their unbelief and because they did not honor him. He said a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Because they did not honor him, they could not receive from him. Because we don't honor God with our finances, we struggle to receive. It's not because God doesn't want it. He says, when you honor him, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Can you say overflow with new wine? I believe that when Marie and I started really changing the way, because we used to tithe out of duty. How many of you know, how many of you know what that means? You're doing like, yeah, I'm going to be obedient, you know, just want to do with the Bible. The Bible says I must do it, so I'll do it. I'm here to say to you that that's a good place to start, but that's not God's aim in your life. God doesn't want you and me to do stuff because we have to. He wants us to do stuff because we have a revelation that we want to. Isaiah 1.19 says, when you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the fat of the land, the good of the land. Willingness and obedience is, powerful, is a powerful um, combination. And so I learned, I went, I went from obedience to willingness and obedience. So when Marie and I, we were, we were married six months. We now, we, this year, we're going to be married 18 years. So you can look, you can really give her a medal and say, it's not easy to be married to me. But what we did is we, we got our, we got our salary and I used to just kind of tithe because I had to. And I got this revelation that I can, I can worship God. I can take something temporary and I can give it an eternal purpose. I can worship God with something temporary. So you know what I did? We put our tithe, we drew our tithe. We put our tithe, the cash in the middle of our lounge. And uh, we, we were still, uh, we were like poor. I was a youth pastor and Marie just finished the study. So we weren't earning big money. So we had like a hi-fi system. Anyone older than 30, 35, you know what a hi-fi system is, right? If you're under 30, you're like, what's that? Blue, you don't know what a hi-fi is, eh? Uh, no worries. That's okay. It's, a, it's, it's, it's like, it's a stereo, stereo, right? So I, I used to, we had bean bags. Anyone know what bean bags is? Because we couldn't afford couches. I remember beanbags. I remember the beanbags in the lounge, small little lounge. And you know what we did? We looked at each other. We said, we're going to worship God. We're going to give this money, but we're not going to give it with a heart of, of obligation. We're going to give it with a heart of worship. So we put the money in the middle. We put the music loud because the louder it is, the, the less awkward you feel. And I didn't want to dance in front of my wife. I mean, I'm only married six months. It's awkward to dance. Ah, Jesus. Uh, so I was like, you start. I was looking at her, you start. And she was like looking at me, you start. So I learned something, that when you close your eyes, people can't see you. So what I did is I closed my eyes because now she can't see me, right? And I went, oh, Jesus, Woo, thank you for providing for me, Lord. You're so good. Everything I have comes from you. I'm going to worship you with this. This is little, little sign. It's nothing to you. You don't need the money, but I need to worship you. Something shifted over our lives. Stuff shifted. Everything changed. We ended up having to increase our tithe because God just 
because he could see, hey man, we opened up, we honored him. We opened our hearts to receive from him. Is that right? You know that the motivation for giving is Jesus Christ. Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says about the Macedonian church, he says, these guys were so generous, they begged us to give. And he says, he says, as we excel in all the other spiritual disciplines, we should also excel in giving. And then he says, the motivation of giving is this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say grace? Because his grace empowers me to give. It says this, yet for your sake, he says that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Isn't that powerful? Acts 20 verse 35 says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Jackson Brown said, remember that the happiest people are not those getting more, but those giving more. Powerful. Jesus is very interested in your giving. You know that. He is very interested in your giving. I mean, in Mark chapter 12, we see how he looks exactly, exactly at every single cent that is given. He looks at what the guys are giving. He's like, mm, that one guy, mm, mm. Look at that one. Mm, mm. He knew exactly how much, how much people were giving. Jesus is interested in your, in your giving. You know why? Because your giving is a revelation of what happens in here. He loves you so much. And I'm here to say that he doesn't miss one gift that you give. This morning we gave. Every time you give into the kingdom of God, um, it attracts the attention of God. Winston Churchill said this. Winston Churchill, one of my favorites. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I believe that giving empowers me to take my eyes off me as the source and put my eyes on the great source, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That's what giving does. Giving, giving helps me to live free from self-sufficiency. You know that the mankind, the flesh always wants to look after itself. I grew up, I started a job when I was 12 years old. I was used to money. I always made lots of money. I had more money than my friends. I paid my own, I bought my own school clothes. I bought my own stuff. I said, my, my mom and dad, I don't need anything. I'm sorted. I remember trying to be self-sufficient. And I realized I'm just becoming like Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve, the the temptation for them was to be self-sufficient. When the enemy said, hey, you don't need to, you can be like God. You can become proudful. You can be self-sufficient. You can look after yourself. You can be your own God. You don't need God. You can be your own provider. You can look after your own self. You can save yourself. Just eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you can be self-sufficient. Isn't that how the West world works? The Western world? Like you just look after yourself. Look after your retirement. Work harder. Invest wiser. You can be your own source. So guess what happens? They become self-sufficient. And that self-sufficiency leads them to shame. Leads them to guilt. Leads them to separation from God. Self-sufficiency will lead you to separation from God. But God's answer to self-sufficiency is not, he did not come and literally discipline them. You know what God did? There was consequences, sadly. That's why God gave Jesus Christ. But you know what Jesus did? God came when he, he reached out to them and he made a sacrifice. God made a sacrifice to cover their shame. God sacrificed an animal and took the skin and covered their nakedness, covered their guilt. And you know, God was prophesying and he was saying that a great sacrifice is going to come a couple of thousand years from now, Adam and Eve. Don't worry. Yes, now you were separated because your self-sufficiency took you, took you, took you away from God. But yes, there's going to be a day that I'm going to fight self-sufficiency for generations, for eternity. 
His name is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth. He's going to be the sacrifice that's going to speak a better word. He's going to be the one that literally he's going to be sacrificed and he's going to cover our shame. He's going to cover our guilt. He's going to take away our self-sufficiency and he's going to fill us with a God sufficiency. Where are we going to be sufficient in God? Where are we going to trust in God and not trust in ourselves anymore? What's going to, you know what? This is why sacrifice releases power. This is why we sacrifice. You know why we sacrifice? We don't sacrifice so that God can love us. We sacrifice in remembrance of the greatest sacrifice. The greatest sacrifice. I want to give you a gift today. I believe God's going to give you a gift. There's a gift, and this gift starts by learning how to put God first. It's one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself. Say, Lord, thank you so much. I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to put you first. You're going to be number one in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to, the first person that's going to get anything from me is God, not anyone. This gift is called tithing. Tithing is a gift that most people are like, no, 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 tithing is Old Testament. You want to get the South African out of me now? (laughs) Tithing is, uh, tithing is the Old Testament. Blue, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I look at those guys. You know what I learned? If someone says to me, it's Old Testament, I'm saying, you're still under law because you're legalistic in your thinking. Because you know what I learned? If you had to say to me, adultery, not committing adultery is Old Testament, you'd be like, what? Are you crazy? Well, here's one thing. I'm here to say, even though not committing adultery is in the law, we still do not commit adultery. Why not? Because it's life-giving to be faithful and committed to your one wife. It's life-giving. And Joseph, before there was a law written that you're not allowed to commit adultery. Joseph, you know what Joseph did? He said no to adultery. He said no to an opportunity to commit adultery. Why? Because he feared God. He was in relationship with God. His relationship with God was more valuable than a short-term gratification. Joseph obeyed the law without there being a law. Abraham obeyed. Putting God first before there was a law to put God first. Genesis chapter 14, every truth needs to be established by two or three witnesses. I'm going to give you three witnesses. The tithing is pre-law and post-law. Is that okay? And it's confirmed in the law. Tithing. Genesis 14 verse 18. Now you must understand, Abraham just got a big income, a big increase. A lot of resources and wealth just came into. He won a big victory, a lot of resources came in. It says in verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now you must understand, in Hebrews chapter 7, we see that that Jesus Christ came in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is the high priest. Melchizedek was a high priest. He was a picture of Christ in the Old Testament, pointing to Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of all the promises of God. Right Now watch this. Melchizedek comes and he ministers the gospel to Abraham. He preaches the gospel to Abraham. He takes out bread and he takes out wine and he preaches the gospel to Abraham. I'm thinking to myself, this is in Genesis 14. There's only 14 chapters in the Bible. This was before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's preaching the gospel. He was the priest of God most high and he blessed Abraham. Here's Abraham. Listen to what happened. I believe that the gospel will unlock blessing in your life. You know, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, God blessed Abraham and then Abraham built an altar. Abraham responded in worship to the blessing of God. That's a life of faith. A life of faith responds to the blessing of God. 
Watch this. And he says, he blessed Abraham saying, blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. See, if you can understand that everything you have comes from God, not one cent that comes into your life, you made it. Every breath we breathe, every single thing we get is from God. If we understand that, you know what happens? We understand that we have been blessed. And then it says this, Abraham's response was then Abraham. Can you say then? It only happened after the gospel was preached to him. Only after he was blessed, Abraham responds by giving him a tenth of everything. Not a tenth of something, a tenth of everything. I love that. Jacob, you say, give me another witness. Jacob, Jacob, you get Abraham, Isaac, and then you get Jacob. Remember that? Jacob was really struggling to connect with God. And then he has this encounter with God at Bethel. And he has this time with God and he, now he gets to know, now it's no longer just God of Abraham, God of Isaac. This is when it becomes God of Jacob. Because Jacob literally has this encounter with God and he meets with God and then Jacob responds to getting to know God. He responds to the faithfulness and the blessing of God by making this declaration in verse 22. It says, in this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all, can you say all? Do you see that Abraham gave a tenth of everything? Do you see that <laughs> Jacob says, of all that you give me. So again, there he realizes, I get nothing out of myself. Everything comes from God. He says, I will surely give a tenth to you. Do you see that? He'll give a tenth. That word tithe is the Hebrew word ma'asa, which means a tenth. So what happens is Jacob responds to the blessing of God. Abraham responds to the blessing of God. Now comes Jesus in Luke chapter 11. And you would think, okay, well, Jesus is going to set it straight. Because if it's Old Testament, Jesus is going to stop it. Because you know what was Old Testament? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And Jesus stopped that. He said, you've heard it say an eye for an eye, but I say to you. Remember that? So every time Jesus wanted to stop an Old Testament practice, he mentioned it. So why did he not stop the Old Testament practice of tithing? He actually affirms it. It says this in verse 42. It says, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you carefully tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes. It's in red letters in my Bible. Jesus said, you should tithe. But he says, tithing is small little things. It's, it's kindergarten stuff. He says, the big stuff is without neglecting the mo more important things, love and mercy. Wow. Now, if Jesus had the opportunity to cancel out the tithe and he didn't, who are we to cancel it? I believe you can tithe pharisaical. I would like to cancel that today. Will you tithe out of legalism and obligation? Please stop doing that. Stop tithing because you're so scared God's going to break your washing machine. God's not into breaking. God's not going to break your washing machine. God's not into cursing us. Jesus was cursed on the tree. Curse is every man that hangs on a tree. He took the curse on him. He opened the heavens for us. We don't tithe to get the heavens open. We tithe because the heavens are open. To receive from the open heaven. Can I get an amen or a woman or a something? Sorry, I'm getting excited. I'm not preaching, friends. Sometimes people preach tithing as a get rich quick scheme. No, tithing is a get free and get faithful plan. You know, you need to get free from the love of money. And when you put God first, you know what happens? You fight that spirit of mammon that's over, that rules in this world. That spirit of greed. 
you fight that thing. And Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon is contending for your heart. I honestly believe that 90% with trusting in Jesus goes further than 100% with trusting in myself. Who do you want to trust? Now, Marie and I have had many people come to us say, Mark, Marie, we can't afford to tithe. Then we would look at them lovingly say, you can't afford not to tithe. They're like, but you don't understand. We've got diapers for kids that we need to buy. We've got gas that we need to put in the, in the tank. We need to put, buy, buy food for our family. I said, we said this. We said, we won't give you money, but we'll buy food. We won't, we won't give you money, but we'll put gas in your car, car. We'll bring the diapers if you need. Put let's faith it together. And now, now I'm praying because like, I'm like Jesus. I, I don't have extra money now for this stuff. You know, like. <laughs> now we're praying like, Jesus, please provide for the people. Then they don't come back to us. Caleb, we like, phone them. We like, hey guys, are you okay? Do you ever start tithing? Because we don't follow up. We're not like, hey, how much are you tithing? You know, we don't do that. So <laughs> we find them, are you guys okay? They're like, oh, we still wanted to tell you. We got an increase at work. We still want to tell you. My father-in-law got a new car and this car was paid off. So he just gave us a car so we could sell the car that we have debt on. Now we don't have to pay a car payment anymore. That's way more than our tithe. We were, like people would just be telling us all these testimonies. We'd like, you know what? I believe I gave them a gift. Tithing is a gift. It's not, a, it's, it's not an obligation. It's a gift. So I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna just end with this one principle. I believe God wants to be first. And the tithe is a vehicle, a vessel that God uses to be first in your life. See, God doesn't wanna be second or third or fourth if I had to say to Marie, hey, love, you know, I love you very much, my baby. You're just amazing. You're number four in my life. I mean, I know, you know, you know, whoever else, you know. I mean, you know, we've got, you know, Taylor Swift and whoever else. I don't know. They like number one, number two. But, but number four, you number four, baby. I'll be there number four. I'll be there every fourth night of the week. I'm, are you number four, baby? I'm sure Solomon, like, he had number thousand, number 300. <laughs> My wife, my wife, my man, she'd look at me straight. She's like, yeah. Listen, my wife will not be number two. She'll not even be one and a half. She wants to be number one. How about your God? Can I ask you, how about your Jesus? Does he want to be number eight in your life? Does he want to be your afterthought? Okay, God, I'll pay everything. And then if there's something, I'll come to you. How about just out of purpose, out of faith, out of love, and out of worship? God, the first money that leaves my account goes to you through my local church. We see in the scriptures, it's the safest place. It's the, it's the pattern of scriptures through the local church. Trusting. So I believe God wants to be first. Why does God want to be first? Because he put us first. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, God died for us. He loved us first. God so loved the world that he gave. He loved you before you could love him. Why does he want to be first? Because you first in his heart. Amen. Jesus was the firstborn, Colossians chapter 1, among all creation, and he was the first fruit. I believe one of the biggest differences between Cain and Abel was that Cain gave of the fruit of the ground and Abel gave the firstborn. I believe Abel made a declaration, God, you're number one. Not you just, I mean, Cain brought something. 
I thought, hey, God, give him a break. But he didn't give the first. Hello? You know, in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, guys, he says, I want you on the first day of the week to be able to set aside a certain amount of money. God wants to be first. Well, how about Jericho? Remember Jericho? God comes, he gives them this great inheritance and he says to them, you can have all these cities, but this first city, please, I'm asking you, don't, I want all the spoils dedicated to me. Don't touch anything. I can steal some of it and there's a big mess. Why? Because God doesn't, he's not, he doesn't need anything. He just wants to be number one because he is number one. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega, omega, am I right? I remember Elijah comes to this widow. Remember this widow? And this widow, and she's busy gathering sticks in one, First Kings chapter 17. And what happens to this widow is she's getting ready to die. And Elijah meets her. And as Elijah meets her, Elijah says to her, I'm, I want you to make me some food. Now, Elijah is representing the move of God on the planet. Just like the local church is now the move of God on the planet. That's what God uses on the planet, the local church. So guess what happens is Elijah is the picture of the local church. Oh, the picture of the move of God. Sorry, the picture of the move of God. This woman gets asked by Elijah, first make me something and then make your son and and yourself something. And she's thinking to herself, I'm gonna die. And look at what God does. As she honors what God is doing, first, God provides for her through the whole famine. God wants to be number one. See, in Exodus chapter 13, we see the first thing that happened with the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. And literally, they had this encounter with God. And God says this to the, uh, the Israelites. He says, he says, you know, the Passover lamb was given to save your firstborn. Remember that? Because they, they, they slaughtered a lamb. And this lamb, the, the blood of this lamb was applied to the doorposts of every single family in Israel. And because the blood of the lamb, because of the Passover lamb, the blood of that lamb was literally applied to their doorposts. You know what happened? The, the angel of death passed over that. That's where the word comes Passover comes from. That's why we celebrate Easter every year. Why? Because Jesus Christ was crucified over the time of Passover. Why? Because he became the great Passover lamb that came to set you and me free from death because the wages of sin is death and he took sin upon himself. He became sin so that you can be the righteousness of God. If you're far from God yet today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm here to say to you that Jesus Christ paid a price for your life. He loved you. He gave himself for you so that you don't have to die forever, but you can live for eternity. So guess what happens is this Passover lamb gets given and the angel of death passes over them. And then, the, then God says, the first thing that happens to the Israelites when they come out, God says to them, I want you to give me your firstborn in remembrance of the Passover lamb. He says this in verse, verse um, two of Exodus 13, consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb. He says, among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Isn't that amazing? God says, I want the first. Give me the first. Why? Because in verse 14, we see what they did is, when the firstborn, you know what happens, Blue, the firstborn would be, sorry, you were the firstborn. Yeah, well, (laughs) right, naturally. (laughs) Listen to what happens. I'm amazed, I'm amazed. As the firstborn gets born, imagine how excited the family was. Hey, We've got a new little lamb. And then daddy says, whoa, guys, this is the firstborn. The firstborn doesn't belong to us because the firstborn belongs to God. And then the dad would sacrifice the firstborn and offer the firstborn to God. They would not take the firstborn because the first doesn't belong to them. The first belongs to God. Why did God put that in place? 
The kids must have been crying. They must have been like, devastated. Like, we love the little lamb. I mean, lambs are so cute. And, mm, mm, mm. They're like, we love the lamb. Listen to this, what he says. He says this. He says, when your son asks you, verse 14 in Exodus 13. He says, when your son asks you in time to come saying, what is this? Your son's going to ask you, why are you giving the firstborn? He says this. That you shall say to him, by the by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, out of slavery. He brought us out of being slaves and he brought us into freedom. You know why you give God the first every month? Because you remember every single month, every time money comes, every month time money comes into your life, every time provision comes, you get an opportunity to remember, I was a slave to sin. I was a slave. I was in bondage. Death was ruling over my life. I was in darkness. Now I'm in light. So the first of everything that goes to me, comes into me, the first of that goes to God, my first 10%. What happened to me is I decided to show my boy what we're giving. Now my boy is Xbox crazy. I've got this little boy, John Mark, our third, 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 third born. I mean, he's like Blaze, man. This oak is just alive, my man. Like, honestly, like, like, listen, I must just keep up with him. He is just moving at a pace, right? So this boy, I put him on my lap. And we, we now, I tie this so much now that we can't draw the cash anymore. Uh, sorry, I mean, I'm just thankful by the, the grace of God. <laughs> like in South Africa, it's, it's a long process to draw a lot of cash. So I don't draw the cash anymore. I just click, click on the internet. But I still pray and I still worship God, right? So what happens is I put my boy on my lap at the, at the computer and I'm showing him now that I'm going to give the tithe. So what happens to me is I show him, I said, boy, this is the amount that mommy and daddy gives to Jesus because we love him and we want to honor him. And as he sees the amount, he looks at me and says, daddy, we can buy an Xbox with that. <laughs> that was my moment. I could tell my boy, I could preach the gospel to my boy. He, he was not yet baptized. He, would, he did not know Jesus yet. He knew about Jesus. He grew up in a home like ours. But I could tell him, your daddy used to be a, a sinful man. Your dad used to be far from God. Your dad used to be a slave to sin. But by the mighty right hand of God, he gave his son. And his son died for me. And I lived my life, built my whole life around the cross of Jesus Christ, Christ and him crucified. And because Jesus died for me every single time, daddy and mommy gets money into our lives. We honor God first. We give him first, not because we have to, but because we're so thankful that he gave his life for us. And today we know that nothing we have comes from us. And if it wasn't for him, I would still be a slave to sin. And my boy understood. He's like, wow. And I'm telling you, by the grace of God, two years ago, we baptized him. Two years, now in January, two years ago, we baptized our son. I'm so thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ.